You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but definitely not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, very cool site in my opinion. Or if pop culture is more down your lane, Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Play, Disgusting, Film Credit, and more. Hopefully many more to come. You can check out and follow Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapena, which you can see in the bottom left right over here if you're watching the youtube version which just launched uh go subscribe locked on padres on youtube today's episode is brought to you by spotify green room spotify green room uh download the app and join me this week actually i don't know when just yet this week probably this weekend saturday for the beginning of the padres game uh whenever time that is i'm not looking at my phone right now uh and also be sure to download the app and just join any one of our Locked On Rooms, Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. And with all that intro stuff finally out of the way, I'm happy to be joined by, you already see him, he's here in the room, to my left, no, to my right, whatever, uh, Colby Olson, uh, staff writer and director of analytics of Just Baseball. Sir, how you doing today? Very good, man. That intro music really gets you grooving. <laughs> I know. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, man, doing the YouTube, it's really like reinvigorated my like energy for this pod. It's really fun to like come with a new shirt every day. I am rocking for people who are curious. It shows Luigi and it actually says Boston Luigi's. It's like kind of a play off the Boston Celtics thing because Colby's actually a Boston guy, um, which might surprise people who've listed longtime listeners know I hate things Boston. But unfortunately, Colby is cool. Uh, it sucks. I want to hate him, but he's actually really cool. And he's on the show today to talk about a bunch of things. But firstly, just introduce yourself to the people and exactly what you do when it comes to the baseball land. And yeah, rally. of course, man. Well, so I'm Colby Olson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colby underscore Olson three. But um, my focus with baseball has always been sabermetrics and analytics related. Um, I went to school at Syracuse University. I studied sport analytics there, which was like basically a money ball program like a money ball mm-hmm. college program um learn coding statistics all the all that fun stuff um and now i write baseball at justbaseball.com i do other uh, baseball analysis um and obviously i wrote about blake snell and his retor- return to his cy young ways um so yeah let's we can get into that if you want Yeah, let's get into it. So basically, you wrote about this. I remember you texting me feverishly in the dead of night, uh, just sweat all over your face, freaking out, being like, dude, Blake Snell's been really, really good. Uh, We're recording this for full disclosure, and hopefully this doesn't age extremely poorly. Uh, This episode is coming out on Friday, and we are recording it earlier in the week. Uh, In fact, on Tuesday, which is the night that Blake Snell has his next start. Why did I set it up this way? Well, I'm watching Thursday Night Football with my friend, and I want to make sure I have an episode ready for Friday. Full disclosure. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, so hopefully this episode doesn't come out and he has his first bad start in a while. But I guess let's just kind of get into it. What First of all, what inspired you to start, I guess, writing about Blake Snell? And what else is the article about? Because I know it's not just about him. Yeah. So I read uh, an amazing piece by Eno Saris, who I consider like one of the godfathers of pitching analysis. He's just amazing mm-hmm. when it comes to 
all things baseball analysis, but especially pitching. Um, he has this great stat called pitching plus, which involves like it takes all the stuff and command of a pitcher and, and rates it highly based on that. But away from that, um, he wrote about Kevin Gosman last week and he wrote about mm-hmm. how Kevin Gosman attacks hitters with just a four seam fastball and a split finger fastball. And he wrote about, well, Kevin Gosman has been struggling in the second half. And he wrote, well, is that because hitters are figuring him out because he only throws two pitches. It's easy to decipher. Okay. I can only look fastball and I can only look splitter. So Mm -hmm. If I choose one of those pitches, I'll probably get it right half the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he basically wrote to go on and refute that claim that you can very much attack hitters with only two pitches and be successful. It's mostly a product of bad luck right now for Gosman. And it was probably a product of luck his first half. I mean, he only had a 1.5 ERA in the first half. So it was just, you know, a regression to the mean of sorts. Um, But from there, from that article, that kind of inspired me to go, okay, let's look and see what other pitchers are doing the same thing that Gosman is doing and, and finding ways to succeed with only two pitches. Um, and Snell was dominating the D-backs last Sunday night, and I was watching that game, and I go, you know what? Snell's been dominating. Like, mm-hmm. why is this? Why is this? There has to be a reason. There's not usually a reason why a pitcher goes from really bad to really good all of a sudden, unless they were just really unlucky and like I was talking about, but Snell, there was a reason um, as I cover in the article. And that reason is the man has completely changed his repertoire. Um, The Snell we always knew with the Rays, the man that won a Cy Young with the Rays, he attacked hitters with a high fastball, a big, big loopy 12, six curveball and a changeup. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that he would go away from that. But in his last six starts, Snell. Excluding whatever happens in this previous one, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> Snell has upped his slider usage tremendously. He's basically gone to be a two-pitch pitcher. He's not throwing his curveball or changeup anymore. Um, and he's basically just attacking guys with a slider, which he's never done in his career before, um, but he's finding success with it. His slider is one of the best in baseball, and his curveball was you know, not showing the results it once had. Um, and... The results of that are amazing. I think he has a 2-3 ERA in his last six starts mm-hmm. and looks like the man that the Padres gave up a lot to get. Yes. Yes. And that's that's the big thing with the Padres is that they did give up a lot. I lost my mind when they made the trade. It's so funny to think back when like, you know, we had that like dead zone, which is so unfortunate about baseball. It's like free agency starts, but it doesn't really start. It's like the winter means you have that like December 5th, I'm going to say point and then it's like a solid month where not a single not even a rumor not even a rumor to whet the appetites to satiate us you get nothing and all of a sudden last offseason it's the you darvish blake snell uh hassan kim now one of those signings looked awful at the beginning and then two of them look worse now with hassan kim and you darvish who I, i'll save that for another time because you darvish has been has been driving a little, be a little bit nuts and but in fairness, while Darvish has struggled, Snell has been great. If I'm not mistaken, he had like the best strikeout percentage of like any starter among, you know, nationally pitchers the last month, which is kind of it's kind of really nuts. I don't remember the last time a guy had this much of a change for like in in the second half of a season. There's one thing to go year to year. I compared him to Sonny Gray because I remember when he was with the A's. <clears throat> he was with the A's and he had like a really good season. The Yankees trade for him. And then the next season, he has like what, like a 5.6 ERA. Then he goes to Cincinnati and then he's just fine. Uh, and it reminded me of that. I was like, 
please don't tell me we just found ourselves the next sunny gray bad season of sunny gray and it looks like he might be turning around do you think that he's going to be able to keep it up yeah so you bring up a good point right in the first half of the season snell was not unlucky like he was legitimately bad. yeah his era mm-hmm. was above five fip x fip k numbers walk numbers all pointing to bad things for snell um so it was like okay is he gonna turn around and yes he has turned around and i believe that with when guys change their pitch repertoires this drastically um, and are finding success, they often go on and find success. Um, I'm not saying that Snell is going to continue to have a two ERA because, I mean, yeah. only Jacob deGrom and Corbin Burns and Walker Buehler and guys like that can do that. I mean, Blake Snell mm-hmm. is very good in his own right. Um, I mean, before the season was probably considered a top 30 starting pitcher. And I think that he can be a top 30 starting pitcher. I, I believe that his place in baseball sits as a, you know, a good number two to number three starter in that 20 to 30 range. And I think Snell can continue to do that. Um, I mm-hmm. think the Padres are what a game up currently as we record this episode on the wild card. And if Snell can continue to pitch, I mean, do you give him the ball in that wild card game? I don't know. I don't know, man. All I know is that, you know, he's been improving a lot lately. I think we're going to talk about this uh, just a second. It does concern me that he's a little bit of a slow worker and slow isn't always great. But Kobe, let me tell you, slow, it's it's right if you're on vacation, maybe if you're a sloth or if you're describing QuickBooks. More like slow books. It sucks you in and slows you down with manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays that leave you scrambling for the numbers you need. Now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system because NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, whatever you need. Uh, It's everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time, no matter how big your businesses grow. Failing to switch to NetSuite will leave you stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increases, increased I'm sorry, their visibility and control since switching to NetSuite. And right now, special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on right now and get special financing um, that you need to need to have you covered. Remember that is netsuite.com slash locked on. And also, you know, Blake Snell's been great, Kobe, as we've we've talked about. He's been great for the last month. But you know who's been great just consistently forever? Those are the best protein bars in all the land. <laughs> He's a gentleman. They are the built bars, uh, soft and easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate. But what I love about them is they've got flavors for all sorts of needs. Maybe Colby over here. Maybe you're in the mood for cookies and cream. Maybe you're in the mood for orange, raspberry, cherry barcia, chocolate. What kind of, what's your favorite like sweet flavor? Do you have a favorite sweets flavor? Um, I'm very much a gummy candy person. A gummy candy person, not bad. Yeah. Maybe Sour Patch Watermelon. You like those Ooh, things? I'm a big fan yeah, of those. Sour Patch Watermelon. Big, big fan yeah. of those. Uh, well, Built Bar doesn't have a Sour Patch Watermelon flavor. I guarantee you they've got all sorts of things, whatever you need. Uh, soft and easy to chew, like I said. Um, and on top of that, like I said, they're protein bars, so they're healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. And just because you're listening... To this episode, you can go to beltbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 50% off at beltbar.com. 
Kobe, how was that transition? I thought I had pretty good there. That honestly. was money, man. Also, probably <laughs> some people listening to this at the gym, you know, they're going to say, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? I could use a built bar right now. Yeah, they're going to go to the little snack stand. Do they have snack stands at gyms? Yeah, yeah. As, as you can tell, I'm not exactly the biggest workout guy in the world. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, you asked a question. We were talking about Blake Snell. We're going to continue talking about that uh, for sure. He, he definitely needs to be as good as he's been for this Padres team because one thing I've noticed as someone who follows the team a lot is that every time someone seems to get it going, another guy doesn't just regress. They become like really like North Pole quality cold. You know what I'm saying? It's not just a, oh, they're Will Myers quality. No, it's like they can't hit at all. And in the case of Blake Snell, you Darvish has regressed tremendously. Um, and that's just unfortunate because it's like, oh, we're starting to finally see the aces that we were supposed to get. We have Musgrove already. And then Darvish has kind of uh, fallen apart. But can you repeat the question you asked me before we went to the ad read? Because to be honest with you, I totally forgot. Yeah, so I said... In a wild card game, you, I think you obviously have to give the ball to Musgrove. But yeah. in a one game wild card game, do you start Musgrove and then in the fifth, sixth inning, do you go to Snell after that? I mean, it begs the question. Yeah, it's it's a great question because the way he's been playing, it's almost kind of like, did we not, in a sense, go through this already in the World Series, right? Where it's like you have Blake Snell, who's who's hot. Now, this is multiple starts. He's really on fire right now. He's been great. And if he keeps it up, part of you is just like, don't we just ride the hot hands? You know what I mean? Don't you just kind of do that? Uh, I think you would. I do like the aesthetic of Joe Musgrove starting one, just because he's been great. The curveball, the slider, all that stuff has been awesome this year. Um, and it's it's kind of shown why he was generating so much interest at last year's trade deadline. It looks like AJ Power was correct in pulling the trigger on this one. Um, and also, he's a San Diego native. So I just kind of like the idea of him starting a potential wild card against... I mean, who knows? It could be the it could be the Dodgers, which would be, oh man, if we lost in a divisional round, I wouldn't care. As if we beat the Dodgers in the wild card, I'm just gonna say it. It would be so satisfying, so lovely. Um, it would be definitely one of my dream playoff um, outcomes, I guess. The another dream outcome would be like if the Dodgers lost to the Astros, because I just think it'd be hilarious seeing the slander online. But um, yeah, I think it definitely raises the question that you should probably consider it. Right. I mean, it is a wild card game. It's not like it's rare that we see teams be like, "Uh oh, this guy after one inning gave up two hits <laughs> like we're worried. So let's bring in the next guy because it's one game elimination. But uh, I think the Pirates are going to monitor it. It might also depend on the lineup. You know, what I mean, righty lefty, if it's a righty heavy lineup, depending on whether it's I don't know, the Dodgers, maybe it's the Giants. The Giants, although actually both of those teams, to be honest with you, feel foolproof no matter who you throw at them. Um, but I guess we'll have to see how that pans out. Um, but in terms of the rest of the article that I want to talk about, in fairness, is that you didn't just talk about Blake Snell. You talked about a lot of other pitchers um, in baseball um, that have that you think should either improve their pitch mix and vice versa, who might be getting lucky, blah, 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 blah. It's a really good piece. Everybody check it out. I will put a link to it in the podcast description and the YouTube description, whatever you're using and listening on. Um, and you're also you also another article you wrote early on in the year was about Shohei Otani and his pitch mix uh, potential, which I thought was very fascinating too. So break down, I guess, a little bit more of what else you wrote about. Sure. Yeah. So I my goal part of this article was to identify pitchers that have not changed their pitch repertoire yet and are kind of missing out and relying on underperforming pitches, um, like much like Snell was and much like Musgrove was. Like you mentioned Musgrove and why he was so highly coveted this last winter. Um, he has completely changed his pitch repertoire. He mm-hmm. went from a 
fastball heavy approach to now he throws primarily curveballs and sliders mm-hmm. as his main pitches. Um, and that's completely transformed his career and turned him into a top 20 pitcher. Um, but I also go on to talk about, yeah, three pitchers that I believe could change their pitch repertoire and become better. The first guy is Herman Marquez of the Colorado Rockies, who's mm-hmm. also in the NL West. Um, he was a curveball heavy guy, but this season has gone away from the curveball, gone to a slider, which maybe due to him playing in Coors Field, as we know, the elevation uh, plays a big role on pitch movements. It decreases mm-hmm. movement across the board. Yeah. Um, but there's no denying that Herman Marquez's curveball is one of the best in baseball, and yet he only throws it 15% of the time. And before the season was throwing it 25 to 30% of the time. Um, and so I believe that he should go back to the curveball. The other guy that I talk about is actually a rookie. Uh, by the name of Luis Garcia, he's on the Houston Astros. And Mm. Luis Garcia is a very interesting case because he is unlike Herman Marquez, where Herman Marquez dominates with one pitch. Luis Garcia dominates with four different secondary pitches. He throws a four-seam fastball about 50% of the time, but then attacks guys with a cutter, changeup, curveball, and slider. And Mm. all four of those Mm. pitches have whiff rates over 40%. And Jeez. so for context, <laughs> God, <laughs> for context, if you have a whiff rate approaching 40%, that is like a beyond elite pitch. Um, mm-hmm. And so he uses each of those pitches differently. So he attacks lefties with, um, with a changeup and I believe curveball. And then he attacks righties, slider cutter only. Mm-hmm. Um, my big thing for him is that his fastball is not good. He has over a 400 Woba against on his fastball. And the goal should be to limit how much you throw your worst pitches. So my thing for him is he should decrease fastball usage, increase the the secondary usage, which we've seen time and time again. The final guy that I cover is Zach Plesak, who is Dan Plesak, former Major League pitcher's nephew. Um, And... Plesak had a great 2019 as a rookie, had a actually really good 2020. And this year, once again, the fastball has been getting destroyed. But beyond that, his secondaries are not playing well. He's throwing a, a slider and changeup mix that are okay. Um, but his curveball is actually the pitch he throws the least, and yet it's his best pitch by far. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like Marquez, where he's throwing, he's kind of just completely missing out on his throwing his best pitch a lot. Um, but going back to Otani, uh, I talked about Otani earlier in the year about how his split finger fastball is actually, by the numbers, the best pitch in baseball. Like, yeah. he doesn't throw it enough. It's pretty ridiculous. Or, <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. But Otani actually has not increased his splitter usage, like I mm. suggested, and yet he has been pitching amazing all year. So yeah. um, I obviously do not know everything. I do not work for a baseball <laughs> team. Um, I would like to someday, but um, I don't know everything, obviously. So these things go much deeper than I can even fathom. Um, But I'm just trying to point out obvious things that Mm -hmm. pitchers could do to possibly improve. And the record shows that pitchers do improve when they throw their best pitches more. Absolutely, man. And look, it's there's no problem. Sometimes you're wrong. It's fine. We're in the nerd zone. All right. You you just went on like a a four-minute just escapade talk about all these numbers and stuff and you know it's not the nerdiest thing in the world that i think you and i are involved in i say the nerdiest thing you and i are involved in aside from like baseball would probably be a fantasy football which you were are famously a very good commissioner of um 
Um, but guys, speaking of, uh, of football and all that stuff and the football season that's coming up, it's that time of year again. And now we got to turn to football and whatnot. Don't worry. We're still talking baseball, but uh, bet online. They have you covered for all things football. You know, we're starting uh, this Thursday with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys. And now they've got all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest. Open now at BetOnline. And like I said, be sure to take advantage of the Super Day promo for opening uh, day between the Bucks and uh, Cowboys. I loathe the Cowboys and hope they lose by 45 points, but we won't get into that. But if you make a wager on this game... Um, Bet online will refund you up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL 100. They also have everything you need from when it comes to baseball, basketball, NHL, UFC, mixed martial arts, whatever. So don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Remember to use the promo code locked on guys. When you do so bet online, your online sports book experts. And one last thing, let me just talk to you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Kobe, I don't know what you've been watching on TV. I personally have been watching Freaks and Geeks and the Padres and all that. Well, DirecTV Stream, it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. Whatever you need, they've got you. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so stop waiting around and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Remember, that is directtv.com, guys. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Again, a decent transition from your boy. I think I'm actually on fire today. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good today, even though well, I did take let a me, bit of a Let me get my shameless plug in here. The <laughs> Billions has just returned. Uh, Billions made a... Succession three. is coming back too, I heard. Succession is coming back. But Billions, I do bring up, is because it is supposedly loosely based on Steve Cohen's life as a hedge fund manager. Just really? putting that out there. You got to watch it. It's my favorite show on TV. And oh, my God. Fifth season just made a return we might have to reconvene this so i've never seen succession i just know some of the memes i know like the the what's up or whatever one i don't remember like i've seen a lot of the memes of the characters everyone seems to love it i gotta get on board especially with that so maybe we might have to reconvene for if there's some steve cohen stuff or you guys can check out uh locked on mets hosted by ryan finkelstein who might just absolutely go nuts over that would be great Uh, another just baseball guy mr ryan finkelstein but um, the last thing I want to talk about, dude, with you is just not about this Blake Snell thing in your pieces. You've wrote a li- written a lot of stuff for Just Baseball, but uh, what are the things are you planning on working on for this site? And what other things do you think have piqued your interest just generally in baseball, Padres or otherwise? Yeah, so I actually am working right now on an article identifying some of the biggest stars in the Korean baseball organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I thought that would be a timely thing to talk about um, with Haseon Kim coming to the Padres mm-hmm. last off season and being kind of a major disappointment, sadly. <laughs> um, but I think it's still like my point with Haseon Kim is I think it is still a bit too early to overreact to him mm-hmm. underperforming. I think you told me before I came on the show today that you believe he should be in AAA getting minor league at bats. And I do. Yeah, I don't absolutely. even mean that in a mean way. He just looks like a guy. The problem is that he's not getting paid to do that and that he's not – I don't even think he can be sent down. Don't quote me on that, listeners. I think that – and watchers. I think that there's something in his contract that he basically has to play at the major league level, which I think is actually a disservice. I think he could be great, but he just looks a little bit lost up there at the play. But go on. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right about that. I think there is something in his contract that does stipulate that. But 
he he does need at bats in the minor leagues. Um, he's definitely overmatched. KBO is not known for its pitching prowess. Um, the Japanese league is actually really known for its pitching prowess and is why we see that hitters from the Japanese league come over and often find quicker success. Um, but it's not to say the hitters haven't come over from uh, the KBO and been very successful. I was just looking at Shinsu Chu's uh, career last night and I was blown away. Like, I don't think we realize how amazing Shinsu Chu's mm-hmm. career is. Um, he racked up 35 war over 13 seasons and is actually continuing to play this season in 2021 over in the KBO again mm-hmm. and is absolutely raking because, of course, he is. It's, it's Shinsu Chu. So, um, the other guy that has made a return from the KBO and is one of the best hitters in baseball this season is Darren Ruff. Mm, he yeah. was came up with the Phillies as a top catching prospect and kind of flamed out and went over to the KBO for three seasons, raked over there. Giants said, okay, let's see what he's got and sign him. And now he's one of the best hitters in baseball. I mean, dude, like I really do have so much love for the Giants, but you like – could you guys not get every single sleeper breakout? You know what I mean? It was every single undervalued player. They got all of them except for maybe like, I don't know, three or four, right? Something like that. There's probably some guys on the Mariners or some dumb team like that that was like Ty France or whatever, right? Like it's just, it, it is it is frustrating as a Padres fan to see this. But like you mentioned with uh, Shinsu Chu, by the way, I love Shinsu Chu. I remember watching that guy. The Rangers really, man, like I know they're kind of a little bit of a, a, a clown show emporium right now. There's not really anything to talk about with them. They're just a bit of a mess, but it was a good team, man. And I remember Shinsu Chu was just so consistent. You knew everything he was going to do. Yeah. He might not put up Bryce Harper numbers, but nonetheless, he was really good. So I'm looking forward to reading that for sure. Yeah. And the final thing that I'm working on right now, not obviously Ooh. the final thing, but oh, here we go. Even <laughs> I don't know this. Here we go. The, uh, the other thing that we're working on is we just announced today that the top 100 prospects list at just baseball is coming out. Very, very soon. Been putting a lot of work into that. Um, but I did want to talk to you about Mackenzie Gore because Mackenzie Gore came back and pitched in high A uh, just a couple days ago. And mm. he actually, mm-hmm. he looked pretty good, man. I, I, he came out of the gates not hot. I was very concerned. Um, but then he, I think, went four scoreless and, and looked mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, I think the way I see it is this. First of all, some people were yelling at me that they should have traded him at the deadline and that he's a bust and all these things. It's like, all right, maybe I don't friggin' know to be perfectly honest with you. I really do. I say this every time I talk about prospects, I subscribe to the money ball line. That's like, I don't have a crystal ball, man. I can't tell you what that kid's future is, but I will say that with Mackenzie Gore, it's a bad development for the Padres because the Padres are built more to win. Now, if this is a team like, Arizona, if this is a team like, you know, a a more rebuilding team that definitely can wait, the Padres have a lot of money in this team. So the idea that we might be looking at more of a, this is a guy that everybody projected was probably going to debut around this time per se. I think everyone was saying that at some point, I mean, he was like a number six prospect in baseball. So that's concerning in terms of his development. I was, my reaction to this whole thing has kind of been like, okay, so he's not going to be Clayton Kershaw at 22 years old. All right. Like that, that possibility is now out the window. Cool. He's probably going to be like every other prospect that I come across, which is like, he's going to go up and down and need some time. And hopefully they don't ruin him, which is a whole nother question entirely. The Padres development system and, you know, why players seem to be struggling here versus elsewhere. Shout out Cal Quantrill, who just looks like a God over in Cleveland now and Ty France and Jorge Mateo, who they, for some reason, just 
just kind of drop to oh, waivers. That's all and, luck. That's all luck, Javi. Don't buy into that. Okay, it's it's all luck. All right, all yeah. right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for easing my concern because I was going <laughs> to yeah. talk about that at some point. Former yeah. Padres. Um, it is concerning that you only said he was the one. That's all luck. But anyway, <laughs> uh, even still, in fairness, the Ty France thing they gave they got Mike Clevenger. If he doesn't get hurt, I don't know if we're talking about that right now. But uh, anyway, what else in terms of just general topics? are you keeping an eye on just for baseball? Maybe not anything you're writing about, but just sort of storylines because we are reaching kind of the twilight uh, waning moments of the season. Um, I think the biggest storyline of the season is the NL Young and the NL MVP race right now. Mm. And I think the NL MVP race should intrigue you a ton. Um, it yeah, might scare sure. you a ton sure. uh, because it seems to be getting closer and closer by day. It seems to me that whoever does take that NL wildcard spot, whether it is the Padres and mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis or the Phillies and Bryce Harper. The Reds are obviously still there. Um, but if the Phillies or Padres do take that wildcard spot, it does seem to me that if the Phillies make it, Harper wins. If the Padres make it, Tatis wins. To me, that's mm-hmm. that's where my mind is going. Yeah, I'm feeling that way too. Believe it or not, I was going to talk about this a little bit more uh, on the pod. It, that episode might have already dropped already. Again, it's hard for me to organize these things sometimes. Um, But yeah, I I viewed it very much as like, if there's not a giant stat discrepancy, i.e. Tatis's OPS is 1100 and Harper's 950, then my thing is like, who led their team to the playoffs? Like who was more of a fundamental thing? I don't like using that as the only qualifier. Look, we've already basically wrapped up that Shohei Otani is going to win it. And that team isn't probably, isn't going anywhere barring a miracle. Um, But for this, it's like, I do think that Tatis, it was a, it, it, the first half was just so amazing. And maybe it's recency bias with Harper. My only disagreement with the Harper narrative is the idea that, like, in fairness, he did miss time too. I know Tatis has, but in fairness, Harper's missed some games too. Um, but overall, like, he's just, you watch him at the plate and you're like, oh my God, like, why were we calling this guy, not a bust, but why were we devaluing him just because he isn't Mike Trout? I just feel like that's what happened to him. I remember ESPN like graphics being like Trout versus Harper and all these things, Nationals, Angels. And it's like, look, maybe you can do that for football and basketball. But I just felt like this was the wrong area for you to be pitting these two talents against each other. One might be a top 10 player. The other one is number one. That's not a a back. Like, that's not a way to disparage Harper. I think that that's what a lot of people did. Um, But I'm very curious to see how it pans out. Again, it could, it could happen. Tatis could go sicko mode for the last three weeks of the season and the pod and could have 76 home runs. And then we'll be like, all right, yeah, it's still him. He was also the story of the first half. I think people want to give it to Tatis because he's objectively cooler. No bias, obviously in that statement, (laughs) but uh, Harper would be a fun one. And then thankfully people will remember that. uh, Yeah. That guy's still on a hall of fame track. Uh, He's still really, really, really good. Um, Absolutely. In terms of just quickly, since you just talked about it, uh, I might as well just plug. I'm working, <laughs> that being said, despair and hyping up the Padres, I'm working on a piece about the Reds right now. <laughs> they are the te- the biggest bandwagon team in baseball. It might be out by the time you guys watch this or listen to this episode. Uh, yes, I went full Benedict Arnold. What can I say? I'm betraying my team. But uh, I, think there's, <laughs> I think there's a lot of fun things about the Reds, believe it or not. And then working on a, a fun piece, actually, a little bit reporting. That's right, Colby. A little reporting Javi. Okay. Making making an appearance, doing some doing some chats with people that I email. Very very cool stuff. I'm not going to say everything just in case I, just in case it sucks and we have to scrap it. You know what I mean? Uh, so we'll see when that comes out. But stay tuned for that, guys. Um, before we wrap up things officially, though, betting on the Padres, betting on the NL MVP race, betting on the Red Sox, who Colby likes a whole lot, which we didn't talk about 
shockingly, by the way, uh, doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. And believe me, he does not miss often. Anyway, follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, He's Colby Olson. Uh, I'm Javier Reyes. Colby, do you have any last kind of uh, thoughts or things that you want to plug? I do. I have okay, go a for it. final question for you, my man. Oh, man I tweeted here we go. out today, who will lead the 2020s in hits? Will it be mm-hmm. Wander Franca? Will it be Juan Soto? Will it be Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Or will it be Trey Turner? First of all, I don't know why Tatis isn't in there. I would just like to throw that out there. I know that he strikes out a lot, in fairness. So I, I get it, but... I'm going to say, I'm not going to say Juan Soto only because I think he could be the best player, but I could see a, a, a universe where he hits 260 with a 420 on base. Like he's still really good, but I could see maybe the hits not almost coming together. Again, this is like by the neath of, and then Trey Turner is a little bit older. So it's possible that he regresses out of all those guys. I think I would go Vladdy. I just think he looks like Miggy. I really do. I just th- I know that's the, the popular comp that everybody's doing, but because of the young age, because of what I just mentioned about how I think Soto could have that one or two season where he just bats 260, doesn't get you a singles machine. Instead, he just walks since we're talking about hits. Um, I could see that potentially happening, honestly. Perfect. I'll accept it. I love it. All right. It. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Thank man. Thank you for having me on, Javier. I had a blast. <laughs> yep. That about does it, everybody, for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. If you don't mind, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to see my face or Colby's very handsome face, too. Um, on the YouTube. It's very, very good stuff. I'm enjoying doing it. Follow my Twitter account, which is at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter. And also, Colby, what's your at? Oh, I was muted. Sorry. Uh, it's <laughs> at Colby underscore Olson 3, O-L-S-O-N. All right. Everybody follow him on there. It's his baseball stream of consciousness. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care. Peace.